I'm Romano Giorgi. Welcome to the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast. This podcast packs three life-bettering, easy-to-grasp principles into weekly 15-minute episodes. These life hacks are designed to improve your mental, social, and financial health and wealth. Give the next 15 your full and undivided attention, for the much better you is waiting. Hello, welcome to episode 8 of the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast. How are you? How are you really? Are things going the way you want them to? If not, are you doing everything within your power to turn these things around? If not, why not? Are you uncomfortable challenging your comfort zone, even though this would lead to the most fulfilling outcome? Quick tip, if any of these questions ring true, would you consider writing your thoughts down and then using these words to create an action plan? An action plan to fulfillment. A plan that you will regularly keep tabs on and action. Small, manageable improvements will lead to incremental improvements. Regular incremental improvements will lead to bigger, wholly positive changes. Could you maybe start getting up 15 minutes earlier each morning? Perhaps do five minutes more exercise every day? Maybe walk to the train station a couple of times a week instead of taking the bus? Maybe make your bed first thing in the morning so that you can start off your day with a win, an achievement? Of course you can. If I can do it, so can you. In fact, why not drop a post in the 3 in 15 podcast Facebook group and share any tweaks you made recently that have bettered your life in any kind of way? Or ping me on my social media at 3 in 15 podcast. Please help me to make the 3 in 15 as interactive as possible, not least of all because by sharing your insights and wisdom with others, you will be helping others to see new perspectives that may greatly improve their lives. Anyway, In today's thought-provoking episode, I shall be talking about how acceptance can better prepare you for some harsh truths. I shall be disagreeing with the entire premise behind the movie Field of Dreams. And finally, I shall be asking you to cut loose those beliefs that just don't serve you. Okay, unless you are busy WhatsApping your boss a photo of last year's positive lateral flow test in a desperate bid to have a free week off work, while all the time hoping that the Wimbledon Tennis Championships cameraman doesn't decide to zoom in on you and televise it across the planet. You cannot be serious! Sit back, plug in, and relax. This will feel a little weird. Episode 8, Principle 1. Accept that which you cannot control. I'm going to start by telling you that the world owes you nothing. That you are not special, nor are you entitled to anything. (gasps) Fairness or karma is a social construct, much like luck, justice or destiny. The laws of nature or circumstance, much like the weather, do not much care for the laws of humans. Furthermore, as famously quoted by the controversial American political commentator Ben Shapiro, facts do not care about your feelings. Let's face it, 
Life seems tough, brutal and unfair at times. And no, I'm not going to go on about what we already discussed in episode one's final thought, you see what you are, where essentially your outlook or mindset will determine every other aspect of your life. No, I'm saying that sometimes very bad, real things will happen to good people and that these things cannot be undone by a positive mindset. Current US President Joe Biden is a case in point. When Biden was 30 years old, he tragically lost his first wife and daughter in a car accident, and more recently his son Bo died from brain cancer. Under such circumstances, many others would have felt utterly embittered or self-pitying. Not Biden, though. On his desk, the US president keeps a present that his father gave him shortly after the first tragedy, a rectangular frame with a cartoon in it. It shows Hagar the Horrible being blasted in the boat by a storm, and he shouts up to the heavens, Why me? To which God replies, Why not you? Biden said of this during a conversation with a journalist. My dad was always saying to us when we were down about something, Where is it written that the world owes you a living, pal? Get up. This cartoon was his way of saying there is no way to rationalise what has taken place. It can happen to anyone at any time, but if you don't get up, it will crush you. I didn't fully appreciate the cartoon's message at the time, but it's become such a valuable one to me, especially after Bo died. Biden then goes on to explain that it was his purpose, his why, that helped him to get through these incredibly challenging times, his purpose being to help as many people as he possibly could. Now, I covered purpose and managing adversity previously in episode 5's Principles 1 and 3 respectively, and so I won't go into them again here, but instead I want to focus on acceptance. Acceptance is understanding that some things are simply out of our control, that no matter how proactive, successful or effective we are in other aspects of our lives, some things we just cannot control. And by the way, acceptance doesn't mean feeling good about something, nor does it mean forgetting it or burying your head in the sand, pretending that something hasn't occurred or won't happen. Acceptance is embracing the present, good or bad, so that you can shape the future. Acceptance moves you from a position of no control to one of control. Now, to go back a second, just because something is out of your control, it doesn't mean you can't better prepare for it. As Sir Ranulph Fiennes once said, there's no such thing as bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. And I think he had a point. I can't control the wind or snow or rain, but I can better minimise its negative impact on my day by taking the appropriate measures. I can wear a raincoat, use an umbrella or take a bus to work as opposed to riding my bike. Or, in anticipation of more stressful situations, I can work on building up my emotional resilience. At the end of each day, for instance, I can reflect on how my day went. What went well for me or what didn't go so well? What can I learn from or what can I learn to handle better in the future? If a colleague shouts at me or I get a stinging email, perhaps as per episode one, principle two, I can shift my perspective and try to see things from their viewpoint. In doing so, I may respond in a more mature and constructive manner. 
and little by little, as I build up my emotional maturity, I am better placed to accept the more challenging or stressful situations that life will inevitably throw at me. I guess what I'm trying to say is that when you come up against a major crisis that cannot be changed, death, divorce or terminal diagnosis for instance, you will need to be the one to adapt, you will need to be the one to change and so building up your emotional resilience during the sunny days will better prepare you for winter. As I said before, you don't have to like it or want it. It's so tempting to fight it, refuse to believe it or even to try to change reality but then you are just delaying the inevitable. We can only start to heal once we understand that the really big stuff in life will change us and we need to be willing to go through this process. That's what you're accepting. Some things just are and you're the one that needs to change. Author Richard Templer says, Acceptance can usually be seen by an individual taking ownership for themselves and their actions. These individuals begin to accept responsibility. They work towards accomplishing tasks and then are proud of the results. They are willing to change their behaviours in response to the needs of others. They are more content as they journey towards a more normalised life with a deep knowledge that happiness and fulfilment will once again be within reach. Accept that which you cannot control. Football was on the line. Episode 8, Principle 2. Build it. Invest in it and they will come. I've been in the band now for over 16 years. Yes, I know. How can someone as young looking as me have been around for so long? Well, thank you for that compliment. I can see your point. But yes, the band formed in 2006. Over this period and up until this whole COVID plava, we probably played somewhere in the region of 160 plus shows or festivals. We've recorded 60 plus songs, released two albums plus several singles and EPs. And I must say, with as little bias as I can objectively muster, most of our stuff is pretty good. We did then and we continue to now put so much time, effort and passion into our music and we are proud of what we have achieved. And Boy, did we want to get a record and publishing deal so that we could make a decent living from our music and get to play bigger and better shows. If you remember back to episode 5, principle 1, the band's collective ikigai was to enjoy creating great original music that the world wants and so would pay for. The only major hiccup in our plan was that all we really focused on was writing, performing and recording music. And we thought that everything else would just happen. Sony Records or some other big label would discover us and the rest would just fall into place. Build it and they will come, or so we thought, just like that Hollywood movie Field of Dreams starring Kevin Costner. Well, that movie lied. Kevin Costner lied. As is the case for so many other artists and performers out there, it just never happened. Sure, we got some radio play, television exposure and the odd festival slot, but nothing that would ever fulfil our ikigai. Nothing that enabled us to reconsider our day jobs. Why? Well, there's the nice answer and then there's the brutal truth. The nice answer being, it was all about the music. We just did what we loved. To hell with selling out and compromising our artistic integrity. And the brutal truth? We were arrogant and unrealistic. We just assumed that the quality of the music alone would bring in the record deals and fame. 
we were unwilling, as we perceived it, to lower ourselves so far as to invest the necessary time, effort and money into sustained advertising campaigns, promotional packs, decent music videos or professional social media presence. Sure, every couple of months, a radio station would respond to the odd email or we'd briefly hire a cheap, dodgy music promoter that would promise us the world but more often than not would just disappear with our cash. So we would just moan about it, give up and go back to making music that the world would never really likely know. So essentially, even though we thought we had the goods, we just never really opened up the shop. And the thing is, we are not alone. I have friends that are incredibly gifted artists and inventors, but they just can't get their projects off the ground. The difficult, uniquely challenging and at times soul-destroying work has already been done, yet the more mundane, run-of-the-mill stuff, i.e. getting yourself or your product into the shop window, is grossly underinvested in, or perhaps completely overlooked altogether. Dare I say it, but if market longevity is not your concern, getting yourself into the shop window, regardless of how strong your thing in speech marks is, is often more important than the thing it is that you have to offer in the first place. Turn on the TV, go to some trendy gigs or visit the Tate Modern Gallery in London and you'll be blown away at how much questionable stuff is out there. Tripe that will make your ears bleed or that your cat wouldn't piss on, yet the marketing is there. The image is there. The investment is there. And you know what? Bloody good for them. And of course, this doesn't just apply to the arts. The world is full of intelligent, highly competent, talented individuals that are far below the station that is their true potential. Maybe they lack the belief in their abilities. Maybe it's per episode two, principle three, that you're unwilling to challenge their status quo or limiting beliefs. Maybe they are fearful and unwilling to stretch the boundaries of their comfort zone. Or maybe they are just unwilling to invest the time, resource and effort required to create that amazing CV, properly research that exciting new startup company and put themselves in the frame for that potentially life-changing interview. Now, of course, thanks to the internet and social media, we live in an ever-competitive world where it is becoming increasingly difficult to stand out from the crowd. But conversely, and for the same reason, there has never been an easier time to get yourself out there. Sure, you'll need some luck along the way, especially if you're trying to crack into a more brutally competitive field. But if you have found your true calling or ikigai, then surely you owe it to yourself and your future consumers or customers to do everything you possibly can to get what it is that you offer the world out there. And if on top of that, you're willing to outwork and outperform your competition, if you're willing to promote your wares with perseverance, courage and continued effort, where you don't allow the inevitable setbacks along the way to deter you from your purpose, you'll have every chance of fulfilling your ikigai. Build it, invest in it, and they will come. Episode 8, Principle 3. Limit Your Limiting Beliefs. It was in Oxford on the 6th of May 1954 that Roger Bannister ran the first ever recorded sub-four-minute mile. No one had ever thought that such a feat would be possible until that fateful day. For over a hundred years prior, this was the belief. In fact, many believed that the human heart would first explode before a sub-four-minute mile would ever come. But Roger Bannister proved them all wrong. And guess what? 
Bannister's time was then bettered within only a few months, and then shortly thereafter, dozens of mid-distance runners were able to run the mile in less than four minutes. Why? Because Roger Bannister broke the entire world's limiting belief, and thus opened the floodgates to a new level of athletic achievement. By the way, a limiting belief is a state of mind or belief about yourself, others, or the world around you that restricts you in some way. So, what are your limiting beliefs? Here's some common examples of limiting beliefs. I'm too old to start a new business, or I'm too young to start a new business. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough to pass that interview. I don't have enough time to do the things I enjoy. I don't deserve to be happy. I don't deserve to be loved. No one else has ever succeeded in this task before, so how can I? I could go on all day, but I think you get the picture. And what do these statements all have in common? They are not necessarily based on fact. They are based on subjective beliefs that prevent us from pursuing our goals. Let's cross-examine one example of a limiting belief I gave earlier. I don't have enough time to do the things I enjoy. For instance, and this is true with me, I have friends that I haven't seen in ages. Every couple of weeks, we WhatsApp message each other with statements like, let's catch up soon, has been too long, blah, blah, blah. 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 But we never do meet up. If you truly care about something, a task, a relationship or a goal, you will make time for it by rearranging or discarding other lower priority tasks. If, however, having just heard what I said, you still say you don't have enough time, what you really mean is, I don't care enough. We all have 24 hours in a day. Trust me, you can fit in the things that matter most if you challenge your self-narrative. These stories we tell ourselves will also usually prevent us from reaching our full potential. And often, they may even be subconscious, so we don't realise we have them until maybe somebody challenges us or points our limiting beliefs out to us. And why do we have limiting beliefs? Fear. We are hardwired to protect ourselves from perceived danger, failure or uncertainty. So we will only invest energy into those things that we believe will produce results. When we don't believe our actions will produce results, we often give up before we even start. So where do limiting beliefs come from? Let me try to explain with a tale about a baby elephant in a circus. This baby elephant is tied to a stake that is stuck in the ground. As the baby elephant tugs at the rope, it is unable to break it or pull the stake out of the ground. Even though the baby elephant will eventually grow up into a powerful adult that is easily strong enough to just pull out the stake and walk away, it doesn't because it believes that it can never get away. This is known in psychology as learned helplessness. A limiting belief has been created. According to Mark Manson, who writes on markmanson.net, we also often use our emotions as a basis for our limiting beliefs. For instance, I can't meet new people because I'm too depressed and so no one will like me. Or, I can't go back to work because I'm too embarrassed. But, as Manson observes, there's a paradox within these sorts of limiting beliefs. If you're depressed or sad, getting out and socialising may help to destroy your depression or sadness. If you're easily embarrassed, facing the judgement of others is the only way to get over that embarrassment. 
And so ironically, what we need to do to deal with these emotions is the very thing we're avoiding doing. Again, not based on fact. So how do we overcome our limiting beliefs? Manson gives the following tips. Top tips. Ask yourself, what if I'm wrong? Limiting beliefs will lose their power if we consider that they may not be true. Can't get a promotion because you're not smart enough? What if you're wrong? Adopt the ability to question your own beliefs and find alternative possibilities. Challenge yourself to imagine the world where your assumption is incorrect. Ask yourself, how is this belief serving me? Like the elephant from earlier, generally we hold on to limiting beliefs to protect ourselves from struggle and failure. Victim mindsetted people will also hold on to limiting beliefs because it makes them feel special or deserving of special attention. It's not fair that I can't change careers because I'm too old. Pity me! Beliefs should only stick if they serve us in some way. Figure out how your belief is serving you and ask yourself whether it's really worth it. Create and test out alternative beliefs. Come up with ways in which you may be wrong. Sure, maybe you're older than most people who start a new career, but who says you can't be successful? It is only your mind that is stopping you. So why don't you try writing down your assumption and then come up with some possible alternatives to that assumption? For instance, perhaps your being older means that you have greater previous working experience to offer your new career. Or perhaps starting a new business when you are young will offer your business a fresher, newer perspective. This enables you to not only identify your limiting beliefs, but also to recognize that you have options. As Manson goes on to say, and I quote, With repeated practice in noticing your limiting beliefs and imagining new ideas to replace them, you'll start to notice the thousands of tiny little decisions you make based on your limiting beliefs without even realizing it. You'll start to notice that the same limiting beliefs that keep you from looking for a new job are the ones that keep you from ordering the sandwich you actually want or wearing the clothes you want to wear. And you'll see how ridiculous it all is. And that's when you'll have more control over what you choose to believe. And finally, test your alternative beliefs to see if they might be true. Until we're willing to see if these alternative beliefs play out in the real world, we can't be sure of what is true and what is not. And most of the time, we will find that we were actually wrong about our initial belief. As Manson concludes, it simply takes the self-awareness to consider that we may have been wrong and the courage to go out into the world and see if we were wrong. Challenge your own understanding. Test new ideas. There is always room for growth. Limit your limiting beliefs. Congratulations, you've made it to the end of episode 8 of the Much Better You 3 in 15 podcast in which I covered the following three principles. Accept that which you cannot control. Build it, promote it and they will come and limit your limiting beliefs. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the 3 in 15 podcast on whichever platform flows your paddleboard, be it Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Pandora, etc. And do please leave me some positive reviews on these platforms as this will help to raise the profile of your favorite free in 15 podcast. This. 
please also follow my Twitter and Instagram accounts with the handle 3 in 15 podcast. And finally, join the 3 in 15 podcast Facebook group so that you can join in with discussions, suggest future episode topics, and finally comment on the following final thought of the day, care of Alan Watts. No amount of anxiety makes any difference to anything that is going to happen. I repeat, no amount of anxiety makes any difference to anything that is going to happen. Thank you so much for listening. Have a particularly awesome week and I see you at the next one.